Good morning. I am really, I'm super excited to be here with all of you this morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Thank you for having me. As Thomas mentioned, Vince and I have known Pastor Thomas and Imelda for quite a long time. And we just consider ourselves very, very blessed. Pastor Thomas and Imelda have such a, a deep love for God and for God's people. And because their faith is true, God touches so many lives through them. And each of us are very blessed to have them here leading the church and also to be able to call them friends. So thank you for all your work. I also want to say that I feel very honored that Pastor Thomas asked me to be here today to share a little bit of my story with you this morning. But before I do that, I would like to take a second and pray. I know we prayed a lot this morning, but... I'd like to also say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you so much for the privilege to be able to be here, to come and worship you freely. We thank you for the overwhelming love that you have for each and every one of us. So much so, Lord, we just cannot comprehend it. Lord, I ask right now you would open our hearts to truly feel how much you love each of us today. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive whatever it is you have for each person today. And Lord, I come and I ask that you would speak through me today, that Lord, I would get out of the way. I am simply your messenger. We love you, Lord, and we give you this service. In Jesus' name, amen. As I look around the room, I see so many amazing faces. And as I look, I wonder. I've learned in life that's, that everyone has a story to tell. Most people have a story. And so as I look, I wonder, what's your story? Life is hard, and few walk through life unbroken. I am no exception. I was broken in my childhood. When I was about 11 or 12 years of age, my father began molesting me. To make matters worse or perhaps more ironic, my father, he was also a pastor. So on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, whenever the church doors were open, I had to sit in church and I had to listen to my dad preach and teach the word of God the word he was choosing not to obey. I was angry, I was bitter, and I was so confused. But I want you to know that I was not alone. You see, Jesus was there. He was always with me. Every night when I would crawl in my bed, I would, I would slide in as close to the wall as possible. I had put my bed as close to the, to the wall as I could get it, and when I would crawl in bed, I, I would lay right next to the wall, and I would face the wall. I felt safer there because I was a little farther from the door. And I would talk to God, and I would tell Jesus, as I was facing that wall, just hugging the wall, I would say, it's just you and me. It's just you and me. Nobody else knows my secret. It's just you and me. And though I couldn't see him, Jesus was there. And he held me. 
Years before, when I was eight years old, I had asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to be my Lord and Savior. But it was during those years of abuse that Jesus Christ became my best friend. And I can tell you that he walked me through the darkest days of my life. By God's grace, my dad stopped molesting me um, at the end of my freshman year of high school. But the damage had already been done because I was broken. You see, it takes very little time to destroy a life, but it can take years and years to fix one. This week, we're looking at the stronghold of bitterness. We always hear that bitterness leads to bondage and forgiveness leads to freedom. That's what we hear. And that seems so easy for some people to say, but for the deeply wounded, it feels impossible. How many of you have ever heard it said, forgiveness is a choice? You ever heard that saying? heard preachers preach that. I want you to know that I greatly respect that, that teaching and those who preach the concept. But with that said, I have to add that I disagree. You see, I could choose forgiveness every day until the day I die and never, ever achieve it. I believe the teaching that states forgiveness is a choice implies three things that I consider incorrect. I believe it implies that we as humans are capable of true and deep forgiveness. It implies that if we choose forgiveness and are successful, somehow we accomplished it. And it also implies that if we choose forgiveness and we are unsuccessful, unsuccessful, then somehow we failed. Now, I recognize that each of us has a different story and a different perspective. And most importantly, each and every one of us must read the Bible and ask God for his guidance in our lives. But from my personal standpoint, I am here to say there is absolutely nothing about me that is capable of forgiveness. Quite the contrary. I am someone who holds grudges. If left to myself, I could tell you the name of anyone who has ever hurt me. I could tell you anything and everything they have ever done wrong. That's how I'm wired. I carry my heart on my sleeve. And no amount of choosing could ever enable me to forgive. But let me tell you what I do believe and what I have seen in my own life. I believe that forgiveness is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It's only when I come to the end of myself and I recognize that all of my efforts are pointless, it's only then that forgiveness is possible. It's in that place of deepest need that God can do in me, through me, and for me what I could never, ever do. So in regards to choosing, there's a place for it. I believe we must choose to let God help us to forgive. We must be willing to cooperate with God and allow him to do his supernatural work in our lives. So in that regard, yes, I do believe there is a choice. 
that leads us to the question, <clears throat> what is forgiveness? What is it really? What does it look like? Now, perhaps I'm a rebel. I could be called that. But I find it annoying when people say that, like Jesus, we're called to forgive and forget as far as the east is from the west. Now, trust me, I would love to forget. I would love for God to give me a complete gift of forgetfulness when it comes to my childhood. However, while some of my experiences are shielded from me, most are not. I cannot completely forget. I cannot pretend the harm did not occur. I cannot sweep it under the rug and say, oh, that's okay, you didn't mean it. No. The abuse did happen. The abuse was wrong. The abuse was a part of my past, and it is a part of my story. It is a part of who I am. Instead of forgetfulness, instead of pretending that it was no big deal, God has taken away the sting of those memories and given me a supernatural gift of forgiveness. Now, in addition to that, I also do not believe that forgiveness means someone who, someone who has harmed us needs to be our best friend. God may or may not want us to remain close to someone who has hurt us. Only God can give the wisdom and guidance that's needed, and it will vary from person to person. There is no clear-cut answer for each one of us. As for me, I continue to keep in contact with my dad but I have very, very strong boundaries, and my husband helps me with that. In recent years, I have felt led to have less contact with my dad than in previous years. I'm not angry with him, but I've come to recognize that a lot of contact with my dad can be very harmful to my overall being. So I choose to love him from a distance. I have forgiven him. I genuinely love him and I am not angry with him. But I have determined, or I believe more so that God has shown me, that being too close to my dad is not healthy for me. I believe that's what God has shown me personally. But your path may be very different, and only God can guide you. In the end, I believe that we need to better understand what forgiveness is, and what it is not in order to walk freely in it. Now, each one of you need to ask God and come to your own conclusions according to what God has shown you. But I would like to share with you what I do believe that God has shown me. I believe that forgiveness is simply a letting go. For me, forgiveness has meant taking all of my pain and my anger and my bitterness and even my so-called rights taking them to Jesus and telling him, these are way too big for me. I don't want them anymore. Please take them away. I have given them to Jesus to do with as he deems fit. Forgiveness allows God to be the judge and the jury. I seek forgiveness because I don't want to be weighted down with that. I don't want to be weighted down with that anger and that bitterness and that pain. And more importantly, I want to obey my Lord and Savior. So far this morning, 
I've shared with you some of my experience and some of the things that I believe that God has shown me personally. But as Christians, we are called to always go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible have to say? So we want to find out what does the Bible tell us about forgiveness? The Bible teaches us that Jesus set the perfect example of forgiveness for each one of us. You see, Jesus had the right to be bitter. He had the right to demand punishment for those who had harmed him. Jesus was the only person who lived a blameless life. He never did anything wrong, and yet he was crucified and he died on the cross for all mankind. Now let's look a little closer. Does the Bible say that Jesus died on the cross for all the nice people? Does it say he died on the cross for those he somehow felt deserved it? No. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. Us. We. Jesus died for you, and he died for me while we were still sinners. Luke 23.34 tells us that while Jesus hung dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus set the example by forgiving each and every one of us as he was dying. Matthew 18, 21 through 35 says, tells us more about God's, for, God's perspective on forgiveness. It says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him what had happened. Then the king called in the man whom he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant! I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. 
That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus set the example when he died on the cross. He died for us while we were yet sinners. We did not deserve his sacrifice. We did not deserve his gift of forgiveness. He gave it anyway. And we too are commanded to walk in Jesus' example and to forgive others. It's really easy to judge those who have hurt us and to decide that they're not worthy of forgiveness. If left to myself, I could easily feel that my father does not deserve to be forgiven. But I stand before you today and I say, I am not better than my father. I have never, never done the things that my father has done, but that does not make me worthy. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say that my dad sinned and fell short of the glory of God. It says all, and that includes me. I stand before you, a sinner saved by grace. Several years ago, the Lord began to reveal to me that our lives have many seasons. Now, although people tend to think that we have one spring, one summer, one fall, one winter, ending in death, the reality is we have many seasons. We can enjoy countless springtimes, have amazing summers, have beautiful, colorful falls, but we can also endure many winters. And some winters may be harsher than others. And when God began to give me this example of winters and these seasons in our lives, he impressed upon me that my years of childhood abuse were a winter season in my life, a very harsh winter season. And he showed me that during that winter season, I put on some winter clothes. I put on pain, and I put on anger, and I put on bitterness. However, when my father stopped molesting me, spring had finally come. But unfortunately, I discovered that I was still wearing my winter clothes. I tried really hard to discard my pain, my anger, my bitterness. And yet, try as I might, I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of my winter clothes. In Luke 18, 26, Jesus says, The things which are impossible for men are possible for God, with God. And I discovered that when I cried out to God, he could do what I couldn't do. That he could take away my pain and my anger and my bitterness. Kind of like living in Hawaii. We don't want to wear winter clothes. In his mercy, he ushered in a deep and true forgiveness. I am now in a summer season God is taking all that the devil intended for harm, and he's using it for good. I am now a licensed marriage and family therapist. Vince and I have written several books, and God is using my story to help others. 
Our family is actively serving God in a variety of ways, and God is being glorified. It's an amazing time, and God is doing a Romans 8:28 work in my life. But this summertime is not without its challenges. I've often been really tempted to grab my winter clothes, my pain and my anger and my bitterness, and put them back on again. But I don't want to go there. I don't want the joy of this summer season to be stolen because of the past. So I continually find myself crying out to God to once again do his supernatural work in my life. I know I cannot walk in forgiveness on my own. You see, aside from my dad, there is always, always someone who can hurt me, who can steal my joy if I let them. I can also get really angry with God or with myself, so I must continually surrender my pain and my anger and my bitterness, anything that confronts me on a daily basis. I must lay it at God's feet and ask for his supernatural work in my life once again each and every one of us here today will face winter seasons but there is always with Jesus the enduring hope of springtime I don't know what season you may find yourself in today but I truly believe that the Lord is saying give me your winter clothes they're not yours to wear. It's my prayer that God will usher into your life a deep healing and forgiveness that only he can give. He will do the work. More specifically, I pray that, that God will show you what forgiveness looks like for you in your life. I pray that you will choose to cooperate with him and whatever it is that he wants to do. I pray that you will be able, through his power, to shed your winter clothes and to walk freely in his sunshine. God bless you. Let me pray over you as we close.